copyrighted program created by the Rio Grande Oil Company. Tucson police calling all cars, engine all cars. Engine all Puma County Sheriff cars, broadcast 111. Be on the lookout for Model V Ford Roadster. License B like Victor 625. B like Victor 625. We believe to have been used as getaway car in the murder of Frank Zell. That's all. Border. Also brings in the federal authorities on the border patrol. 
we've always brought close to the rest. You can readily see that with city, county, and federal law enforcement agencies working in such a tightly interlocking system, the lawbreaker in Tucson is being quickly convinced that he can't get away with it. The state penitentiary of Florence has quite a few steady boarders who have learned from Sarah Belton and me that crime doesn't pay. outside Tucson, Arizona, are crammed with gray clouds. Lightning flashes about the crest of Mount Lemon. The dying sun sends one somber streak of lead across the desolate overcast desert and then chokes to extinction. The soft tentacles of a thunder for the round of the road. of heaven, Jesus goes. And far below, a rickety Model T Ford flashes up a sandy hill. Five minutes after the two ranchers had placed their call, Sheriff Walter W. Bailey of Pima County 
accompanied by Deputy Sheriff Johnson and Glenn Hunter, are speaking out of Tucson for the scene of the crime. Meantime, Anderson and Buffett return to the rain-sodden course on the Puerto Rico's trail and make some interesting finds when the sheriff arrives. There's the body, Jeff. No, it is. Yes, yes. Yes, me and Frank Jeff. Got a home set up on the trail here next to mine. And the folks? No, he's all alone. Some people around here come in the home. We've been looking around while we was waiting for you, Jeff, and we found some stuff. What? These two fire bullet casings, for one thing. Hmm. Thirty-two twenty. And the size of the wound in his neck and neck, that's what he was killed with. What did you find there? Over yonder, under that milk seat. Mm-hmm. Looks like broken glass on the way there. Did you have a car? Yes, you did, sir. An old model T. How far is it from here to his homestead? About two and a half miles. Mm-hmm. Did he ever walk into town? Oh, all sick and sure. And whoever murdered him must have stolen his car. I can see the faint marks there where it has turned around. The rain's washed them out too much to tell what kind of a tread was on the tire. Here's what else he found, Jeff. A carton of broken eggs, Frank's bill hole, and a pair of old tan shoes. Can't be the victim, sir. They're too small. Now, why were they thrown away? Maybe I'd have anything to do with these shoes. I found them down in the wash. Well, they might remember them the map. I'll file them away in the house. There's no doubt about it, Jerry was ambushed. But, Jeff, where do you suppose anybody had a murder Frank? That's one of the many things we'll have to find out. An empty billfold would make it look like robbery. But you don't have to murder a man. Bootwack him for his money. Well, possibly revenge was the motive. Did Jerry have any enemies in all, Mr. Anderson? Well, mm, when I know he's a quiet, peaceable fellow. Minded his own business and kept his nose out of other folks. We all got a lot of him out this way, though none of us knew him very well. Well, we'll have to check back on him. Glenn? Yes, sir. We'll go along with Mr. Anderson here up to Rail's house. Go over the place, Sarah Lynn, see what we can dig up. Yes. Johnson and I will go down to Katara and see what we can find out there about him. Meet you back at headquarters as soon as we get through. Yes, sir. Come on, Mr. Anderson. Let's get out of here. Everyone that's got a question that you're saying that the murder victim was a law-abiding citizen. And no one knows of any drugs against him. The sheriff has returned to headquarters and settled a hunter around. Well, Glenn, did you find any guns out there, Joe Jack? No, no guns. Lots of books around the place, though, on public speaking, willpower, physical culture, and that sort of thing. Mm. Uh, and I found this scrapbook. There's a lot about the guy. See? Uh, he was a clip in the body when he was fighting under the name of Jack Kelly. Mm. According to this, Jack Kearns was his manager. Mm. And then over here is his enlistment paper from the Army. Dawned up in 1917 with the 33rd Field Artillery. He's easy to see, yes. He served several hitches, and every discharge is marked honorable or excellent. Yes, that's all very well, but I'm interested in guns. They didn't find any guns. No. There were supposed to be three guns in that cabin. I went over the place from top to bottom, and I didn't find a single one. I found a shotgun rammer and some ammunition for a twenty-two. Yes, according to Zell's neighbor, he owned a thirty-two twenty carbine, and that's the type of gun he was killed with. 
I believe, since he found no gun to Dell Chatham, that he was murdered with his own gun by someone who had stolen it from the shack during his absence. Why, we're near him in the desert. Why not kill him at home? Uh, that's me. The killer probably wanted to be sure to escape detection. And he certainly did a good job of that for the rain to help him. Probably over to the coast or down in Mexico by now. Maybe he just is trying to make it get away. Maybe he's still right here in Tucson. I doubt it. Wouldn't hurt to ask Chief Dyer to give us some help on the city angle. Mm, okay, I'm willing to try anything. I'll call him right away. Assistant for Chief Judge Dyer, the Tucson Police Department, within 15 minutes, the Chief has led the department head and is issuing orders. Boys, the sheriff has asked our cooperation on his own murder. He sees that the killer is different. I, I can't agree with him. I've got a suspicion he's right here in town. I want you to have your men cover this for his old car, which was stolen at the time he was murdered. The car was seen coming toward town last night with a dark looking fellow driver. It was a Model 2 Oldster, license number V625. Now get off and pick it up. Okay, Dennis Ford. Wait a minute, I've got a special job for you. Okay. Dennis, I've got a theory on this case. Yes? Yes. The first case, I think our man is right here in town. Also, I'm sure that he stole all three of Zell's guns. A 3220 that murdered Zell, a 12-gauge shotgun, and a 22 rifle. Now, sooner or later, he's going to get low on funds if he isn't already there. Well, and then he'll try and sell the guns, is that it? Exactly. Now, I want you to check all the pawn shops and second-hand stores and inform the dealers to notify us if any of these guns are offered for sale. Yes, sir. I'll go down it right away. And while Detective Ford begins the job of checking the pawn shops, Squads of officers come to town for the missing murder car. Early on the morning of August 7th, 36 hours after the murder, officers Charles Eaton and Walker Hyde are cruising down West Simpson Street in the police car as the approach to the section of Mission Street. Hey, Charlie, there's a model to your old brick. Where? Standing by that old brick here. Oh, yeah. I see it. Better pull up. Well, come on. This will be the seventh old week we've checked over since we come on duty. Yeah. Not much use looking at this one. It's been burned up. Been set on fire, you mean. Huh? What do you mean? Smell that gasoline? Yeah. All around the car. Somebody doused that car with gas and then set fire to it. I wonder why. That's why. What? The license plate. V625. You can still make out the numbers even if the paint is burned away. That's the car that Frank Zell was killed in. By God, you're right, Walker. Look, they stripped it before they burned it. But they forgot to remove the plate and the windshield broken. Yeah, that chance of getting things, though. The thing's been blistered. All the upholstery and woodwork burned. Well, we're plucked a crowd of interested bystanders. Maybe they know something about this. Yeah, I guess this old Mexican woman. Uh, you live around here, lady? Mm-hmm. You live over there, across the street. Whose car is it? Mm-hmm. Who's that fire to it? Mm-hmm. Did you see it burning? 
No. Ah, she's not going to be any help. I'll try old Uncle Tom here. Hey, Pop. Who fired me? Oh. Looks like it was burned, don't it? It sure does. When was it burned? Oh. How long has it been there? Oh, here they left the man out in the view. About six o'clock in the morning. I didn't want to talk. You didn't? He was in here. Loud and nice. Who did it? Bill Barrett. Uh, two men. One is black, one is white. Sure, it wasn't a Mexican? Oh, more than a man is a carnival, not a mobile. If that kid telling the truth, this doesn't make any sense at all. Well, we better get what's left of the car into headquarters and let Mark Robbins go over it for identification. But Mark Robbins, famed identification expert of the Tucson Police Department, can find no fingerprints or blood traces on the badly burned automobile. And meanwhile, Detective Dallas Ford, making his way around to the pawn shop and second-hand stores, Drops into a little shop on West Broadway. Hello, Herman. Yeah, hello, Bailey. Thanks for policing this morning. Oh, it's all right, Herman. How's the money lending racket? Mm, terrible. How can I make a living when everybody wants to borrow money and nobody wants to pay it back? And nobody comes in to buy merchandise? I'm telling you, Bailey, the country's in bad shape. Yeah, so I've heard. Yeah, I couldn't sell you some nice first grade merchandise kit, I don't know. No, buy me the information. I don't want to buy that. Maybe yeah, this you want to know. Anybody throws you any guns lately? No, I bought a gun for a TV. And if anyone comes in and tries to sell you a gun, you let them know. How is the seller gun? Hey, Taylor. They have always told him you were trying to sell me a gun. Yes? When was this? Just his name. Hello, who was it? A Mexican seller. What kind of a gun? I don't know. He didn't have it with him. Just said he said. What's the seller about? 32 trenders. 32 trenders? That's the size rifle I'm looking for. Well, I told him to go bring me in the gun. You know, he must be crazy. I was buying the gun by looking at the car. Did he say the back? No, well, he said he'd bring the gun around, but he made me wrong. You know, sometimes they never come back. Now, listen, Herman. I want you to let me know if he comes back. Sure, I'll do that. Now, now, you call me at headquarters and then stall the bird until we can get over there. We want to talk to him. Yeah, sure. I'd be glad to if I can. Well, you got to. Well, he's an horrible like story. Any way you can, bargain with him. Keep him arguing. He won't be long just here. Within three hours, the excited farm shopkeeper calls headquarters and informs him of the same Mexicans in store. Detective Ford is not at headquarters, so Captain C.C. Wilbank, an officer full of BSC, jumping into a police car, Arrive at the pawn shop five minutes after the call. I tell you, I can't give you more than two thousand fifty dollars. Senor Consider, it is very valuable. It is worth much more. To my own grandmother, I could not give you more than two thousand fifty cents. Oh, hello, Herman. Yes, hello, Captain. See, I have a pretty hard time. Is this your man? And I'm trying to tell you about. What's your name? My man? Why, who are you? Police officer. Oh, police? Yes. What's your name? My name is Florentino Ruiz. Where are you from? Phoenix. Is the fellow who wanted to sell you the rifle, Herman? He's already seen one. I guess we'll have to place you under arrest, Mr. Ruiz. Well, I've done nothing. Why should you place me under arrest? They want to ask you some questions about that rifle you've got for sale. <laughs> 
Market headquarters, Valentino Ruiz, Mexican is questioned by Chief Dyer and Detective Cromer. Very strong mistake, Senor. The Senor of the pawn shop is mistaken. I said nothing about a rifle. I was trying to find a rifle with a watch. Where did you get the watch? It belongs to a friend of mine. I am poor, but I am honest. I have done nothing. You have a watch with you? See. Let me see it. Here you are. Hmm. Belongs to a friend of yours, huh? See. With heavy shoes you wear, right? See. Pretty large for you, aren't they? See. Where'd you get them? I, I bought them, especially. My feet, they are sore. I like shoes large. I see. Well, how about that gun? What gun? A gun you tried to pawn. Well, there was a mistake. I did not try to pawn a gun. They just drop over to your face on McCormick Street and take a look around. Captain Will Banks is sent to search Blue's room. Now, within half an hour, enthusiastically brings the gun into the office of identification expert, Mark Robbins. Well, here's the gun that shot Joe, Mark. How do you know? It's a 3220 Winchester, and I found it in Louis' room. That's circumstantial evidence. Yeah, I know it, but I know, too, that I can count on you to make it material evidence. Well, let's see. Let's have the gun. Hmm. Oh, model, isn't it? Yeah. Set up the test box, will you, Nick? Yes, sir. It's got to be the murder weapon. They'll own the 3220. Is it shot with one? Louis tried to pawn one, and we found this one in his room. Oh, there you go. Okay. We'll see soon enough. Now, just load this baby up. Now, we'll shoot a few rounds into the test box. Now, we'll have a look at these shells. Come on over here to the comparison microscope, Will Banks. All right. Now, we'll place the shell found at the scene of the crime under one side of the microscope, and we'll place one of the shells we just fired under the other side. Yeah. Now, just a moment until I line them up. There, Will Banks. Take a look and tell me what you think. The two shells have identical firing pin marks. They also have identical scars on the side from the breech block. The Louis killed Frank Bell. I don't know whether Louis did, but I'm prepared to testify that this gun did. <laughs> Denies possession of a gun. Denies burning Bell's automobile. Denies killing Bell. Explains the blood stained face as rabbit blood. But Chief Dial remains unimpressed by Louis' iconic unfeasement. Then the detectives running down clue after clue. Finally, on August 8th, three days after the death of Frank Bell, Valentino Ruiz is formally charged with his murder. On Wednesday, August 12th, he is given a short preliminary hearing. By his own request, the laconic Mexican act as his own attorney. One by one, the witnesses stand him by their testimony. A young Mexican roommate of Ruiz testified. Lawrence, you know, he seemed very handy, but last week he came home wearing deep black no, 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 no,
Frederick Lindsley saying good night for the Rio Grande Oil Company. <laughs> 